0: Do you talk about it with your friends? Do you dare talk about it with your grandparents? The Sealed Section. Talking everything sex for everyone. Welcome back to The Sealed Section, Shaggers. Today, I had the pleasure of talking with Kate from Swinging Down Under podcast, which has now changed its name to Wanderlust Swingers. Kate has her own sex positive podcast with her husband Daryl where they discuss ethical non-monogamy, swinging, hot wifing and other sex positive topics. Kate came on today to talk about her relationship with Daryl and their experiences opening up their relationship and how they have found this alternative lifestyle. Kate and I discussed the positives, the negatives swinging clubs and how they compare in Australia to overseas and just a whole heap about ethical non-monogamy so I hope you enjoyed today's episode shaggers welcome to the show Kate thank you so much for coming on how are you today
1: I'm doing much much better thank you so much for having me it's great to be here
0: are you able to tell the listeners a bit about yourself
1: yeah, sure. So I just turned 36 like three days ago or yep. something. So that was awesome. S- thank you. A second mm-hmm. birthday in, in isolation is always great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> spent, spent last year in isolation in Singapore and this year in Croatia. So yep. 36 years old, um, born and bred in Brizzy and have lived in a few different places around Australia and a couple of different places around the world, currently based in Europe. And I identify as a bisexual, consensual, non-monogamous or aka as a swinger.
0: Yeah, awesome. Are you able to tell my listeners a bit about what you do with your podcast?
1: Yeah, so we started our podcast about five years ago. It was when we were in Sydney and we wanted to find more information about the Swinging Lifestyle because we were starting to delve into fantasies and desires and sexual interests and Find a lot of information that was more centred around Australia to begin with. We wanted an Australian voice. Um, There are a few going, but they're all US centric and they spoke about these big events and we just don't have those down in Australia. So they kind of, it didn't make sense to us. So we started our podcast about our journey kind of going from being um, a monogamous couple of five years to then changing our relationship and our dynamic into a contentionally non-monogamous couple. And that's what the podcast started as. It's kind of evolved now into more of a global look at sex positivity and the swinging lifestyle and the hot wifing lifestyle. Uh, So we delve into a little bit of everything in LGBTQI plus and events around the world and kind of run the whole gambit of sex positivity.
0: Yeah, awesome. Are you able to explain what swinging and hot wifing is?
1: Yes, it is an interesting question because you think it's quite simplistic, yeah. um, but it is actually such an interesting answer because it's so broad and you ask one yeah. person, what that might look like, and you ask another person and they're probably going to give you different answers. For So I'll tell you what it is for us. So swinging for us or consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy, really there's, again, there's so many different names and, and terms for this, yeah, is. is the act of us being intimate, sexually intimate with other people. Now that could look like other couples, it could look like uh, orgies, it could look like a single man or a single female if you're into that so threesomes, and, and it really just comes down to then you doing that with your partner. So it is, it's a couple effort. We do it together, not necessarily always playing every time together, but it's something that we enjoy, you know, our relationship to be a little bit more open. We talk about it, we communicate, and we share this, I guess, hobby, for lack of a better word. And hot mm-hmm. is a section of ethical non-monogamy or concessional non-monogamy where the male partner has a lot of compersion so compersion means that they are enjoying when their partner is being sexually active with somebody else or they're seeing that joy on that person and and they get they get something out of that so that's compersion and it's when the female would find another single man or it could be a married man that has permission to play separately to again have sex with and the other, My my spouse could be involved in that. He might just sit at home and let, want me to go out and enjoy myself and then come back and talk to him about it. He might be in the room. He might just be watching in the room. He might be in the room, but he's playing with us as well. So it's a really broad spectrum as well, but that's generally a, very loosely what hot wifing is.
0: Yeah, awesome. I think that's something a lot of people wouldn't know what it means because I know myself before I came across your podcast, I'd never even heard of hot wifing.
1: A lot of people get it confused with cockholding actually and uh, we just actually didn't, we just did an interview and a podcast episode with a PhD about cockholding because it's, they're quite um, misunderstood terms and so that's why we always say this is how we approach it because there are so many variants to that.
0: So how did you come across this alternative lifestyle? So...
1: Daryl loves telling this story. That's my partner Mm -hmm. because he thinks it's quite funny because I'm, I'm a nerd at heart and I'm also very OCD. And he came to me one day and he said, hey, you know, we talk about everything in life. We talk about our aspirations for our career. We talk about where we want to live. We talk about finances. You know, what brings us joy? All of these questions that you would consider to be good in a relationship you know day-to-day things in a relationship what people often don't talk about in relationships are their sexual desires or you know are mm. you fulfilled sexually is there anything you want to explore and so he came home to me we're in Sydney and he said hey what are your sexual fantasies you know let's see if we can knock some off the list and I stared at him blankly because I literally had never thought about it really and I didn't know so then I googled uh like top 10 sexual fantasies and this is where the nerd comes in mm. <laughs> and Started to explore this, well, threesomes. Threesomes is very high on the list or orgies or whatever, very high on the list. And then we started to look, well, what does that look like? And stumbled upon this idea of the swinging lifestyle, stumbled upon some clubs in Sydney and decided, spoke about it, talked about what would that look like, what turns us on, what doesn't, and then kind of went along and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, awesome. Do you think you, if he hadn't approached you, um, when he did, you would be in the position you are now?
1: Likely not, but that comes with a lot of things in life yeah. where years and years ago I remember he I was in a job that I could have been doing better and there was a promotion up for work and I remember saying, jeez, I, I wouldn't mind going for that but I'm not good enough for that or, you know, lots of negativity. And he, you know, he was gently nudging me and, and suggesting, look, you can get this. And I did and that's what brought us overseas. I got a regional directorship. Um, so... Probably not, but that's just because of my personality to just kind of sit back and kind of just let things, let life happen, as yeah. opposed to questioning, you know, what what more could you want out of life?
0: Yeah. What so? What have you found that you love about swinging and this like type of relationship?
1: There's there's a lot of benefits to this, and, and many couples will tell you straight off the bat, communication's one of them. So mm-hmm. I would not want to delve too far into that. It definitely is, you know. It's, it's so most couples, when they have little nitpicking or arguments, it's about things like finances, cleaning the house, who's doing what for the kids, like things that are, I would say, quite mundane. And and then, you know, they kind of roll up and they have big fights. And communication with these sorts of things where if somebody is perhaps irritating you a little bit or maybe they're getting too fat for their genes or whatever that looks like in your relationship, now all of a sudden these small trivial things it's just very easy to communicate them so they don't turn into these nitpicking arguments that, that's a real benefit um and the second one of that is just being more open with lots of different things and being more willingness to explore who you are as an individual what your relationship looks like how it could look you know what is the ultimate goal for your relationship and on top of that traveling the world meeting new mm-hmm. people making new friends I mean that can't be understated as to how awesome that really truly is
0: yeah, no, I can imagine. I wouldn't even have thought about how much opening up your relationship in that way. You can take that all around the world and have all these new, amazing experiences that you just can't get when you're having, you know, like a monogamous relationship in the same place and not really going out and exploring those things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, so what are some of the challenges that you've faced since beginning this lifestyle?
1: I'm glad you asked that because I don't Mm -hmm. want to paint a rosy picture of um, non-monogamy and certainly one of the things I recently posted on Instagram, actually just a sidebar because I love sidestepping on somebody else's podcast, it's brilliant, Um, (laughs) is, is that Monogamy isn't toxic and neither is consensual Mm non-monogamy. I think sometimes a lot of people in consensual non-monogamous relationships seem to have this feeling of being a little bit superior. You know, we call non-monogamous people vanillas. uh, That has negative connotations. And so what I wanted to say is Neither is toxic, neither is right, neither is better. It's what's good for you. So now that we've gotten that kind of terms and conditions aside, I love the fact that you're asking the, the challenge question because it is. It's not without its perils. You know, if you have, say, rules and boundaries in place like we did in the beginning and we went along to our first club and this is five years ago and we said we're not going to do anything, we're going to be wallflowers, that was our rule for the or a boundary for the night, and I kiss somebody. Now, the kiss itself is not necessarily the issue here. What's the issue is that I broke a rule. <laughs> yeah. And and so then you've got to navigate those waters. Um, you know, in about a year into our journey, I was very, very jealous. And we have to navigate those waters. You know, you have to kind of go through some of these emotions that get brought up that maybe you wouldn't have in a monogamous relationship or maybe they're there, but they're not really in your face like they would be in, in a swinging lifestyle relationship. And so definitely challenges over the years, challenges as well during COVID, you know, feeling like you are a little bit removed from this lifestyle that you love. Um, It can be financial challenges, not being able to go getting FOMO because you can't go to all these big events all the time. There's there's lots of different challenges that couples face once they join the lifestyle.
0: With COVID, actually, did you have to find new ways to try and include What you had like within your relationship before, or did you manage like to have how did you like you know navigate the swinging lifestyle with COVID? Mostly
1: we just put it on hold to be honest. Um, Yeah. You know, it, it depends on what part of the world you're in as well. I mean, it depends. Yeah, of course. There's a few things here. There's the legal side of it, as in, as in, you know, are you actually, is it illegal in the city or the country that you're in mm-hmm. at the time, you know, meeting with other people? And then there's the moral and ethical side of it that, that needs to be taken into consideration as well. We all but stopped actually. So we we were in Singapore. We had some pretty harsh lockdowns. We didn't mm-hmm. leave the house in six months. I didn't actually leave the house in six months except to walk the dog three blocks Um and so, of course, we weren't participating in anything swinging lifestyle. Now, during that time, we were still experimenting in our own bedroom, you know, using different sex toys, um, role-playing, you know, sexy talk, you know, that sort of stuff. Yes, of course, we were you know, using some of those tools, I guess, for lack of a better term, mm. in our own relationship. But at the same time, I mean, COVID and sex drive, I mean, that, took a, that just took a downward dive spiral mm. into the ocean. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, And then coming out the other side of it, we did have a few experiences as restrictions eased and it was no longer illegal in Singapore. We met with a few couples and had some play sessions at a 6 and a foursome um, before we left. And now we're in Croatia and we're back in um, a partial kind of isolation lockdown. The country's cafes and stuff are closed and meeting large groups of people is out of the question. So, again, we've mm-hmm. kind of reverted back to not, not doing anything right now.
0: Yeah, I imagine it would be hard constantly changing, going between them all and like getting a taste of it again and having to pull pull back in.
1: Yeah, one of one of the biggest issues was actually the travel because we mm-hmm. had I think we had to cancel six trips or seven international oh trips in 2020 that we're yep. supposed to take and, and big, big big exciting events. And that was the hardest thing, you know, you get you save up money for a year. You get pumped about mm-hmm. a holiday for a year and then you gotta, you know, but it's all look, taken it away. is what it is, you gotta do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, a lot of people that I've spoken to didn't realise that there's swinging clubs within Australia. Are you able to explain what these clubs are and how they work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is interesting, actually. So in every major city in Australia, you've got Mm -hmm. at least one club. Some have two, some have three, Um, Mm -hmm. depending on the population and depending on permits and stuff. These clubs generally are licensed as sex-on-premise clubs, so a lot of them are ex-brothels. And oh, the license okay. is carried over from there because it is actually quite hard to get a sex on premise license in, in Australia. So a lot of the times if you see a brothel up for sale or if you see like a um, maybe a, a gay sauna up for sale, then, you know, it, it might then eventually turn into a swing club because of the fact that they've already got that license. And it's quite hard. So in each capital city, you have one or two. How they work is very different depending on the club and depending on the owners. You know, each mm-hmm. owner does make it their own. But to give you a very broad example, the club generally will only operate on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday night. Because we don't have a huge population in Australia doing this, it's not like you can run it on a Wednesday, whereas in the United States, they are are seven days a week.
0: Oh, they Um, really... So that
1: yep. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and busy. And so yeah. on, on some on some weekends, weekends only, and generally they are uh, run like a bar, if you like. Mm-hmm. So you walk yeah. into the space that's generally either downstairs or is in the opening area, you'll see a dance floor, you'll see a couch area, a mingling area, you'll see a bar. It's all BYO. So you have to take your own alcohol. Oh, Legally yeah. they can't serve. They don't have a liquor licence because they've got the sex on-premise licence mm-hmm. and and you meet other people and then there's either a downstairs, an upstairs or a back room <laughs> which then has rooms dedicated that could be pl- what we call playrooms and those playrooms could be um, a small bedroom which is have has a door on it and you can lock it if you want to be private with maybe you just want to have sex in the club with just your partner maybe you want to have sex with another couple behind closed doors don't want anyone watching other rooms that they have they might have a, a gangbanger an orgy room they might have a bbsm room they might have a voyeur room so you can have sex and then everyone can watch behind a window lots of different rooms depending on the size of the the club depending on where it is and then also there's things like theme nights I don't know why but swinging lifestyle we tend to love a theme night (laughs) and uh, that can be things like glow night it can be like animal print night it can be leather and lace night you know a variety of different things
0: yeah it's awesome that there's so many different elements within like all the different clubs so like it's constantly you know it'd be always new and exciting going in there
1: I was going to say the other thing, too, about the the common misconception about clubs, just in case your listeners haven't heard of these before, mm. is that you have to actually have sex. It's not the case. Oftentimes in Sydney, mm. when it was cold and we didn't have a heater in our house, we would go to the club and drink, meet people, and then go and sit in the hot tub because it was a hot tub and it was freezing yeah. outside in winter in Sydney. So you you can just go meet people, have a drink, test the waters, see if this is even interesting for you, if you're terrified, you know, and just walk away and you don't need to have sex. So that's a common misconception. Um, the other standout I will say, Australia versus the rest of the world, is it's expensive. Tickets mm-hmm. generally are about $200 for the night, wow. plus you're going to take yep. your own alcohol. Yeah. Um, in America, our friends think $50 entry to a club is is expensive, um, which mm-hmm. is funny. But, again, population-wise, um, cost of rent and everything and only being open on th- for two if not three days, that's, that's why the ticket prices are around about $200 a night.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I never would have thought, I mean, it makes sense, but I just wouldn't have thought it would have been um, that expensive, especially when you compare it to, like, other clubs. But then again, it's complete, It's a whole niche. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found that it's been growing at all, like, within Australia, like, the mon- non-monogamous, like, type lifestyle?
1: It has. It has definitely. You know, five years ago when we joined uh, a, a prominent dating site a swingers dating site in Australia Mm. versus now you can definitely see the population is growing there are more events happening now so more event companies more event organizers that are popping up all over the place around Australia to do events and so that those two things combined just really tell you that it is it is growing in in popularity Uh, it's also been more represented in, in mainstream media. You know, normal radio stations are picking up interviews with. I think Kyle and Jackie o, about four years, three years ago, did did an interview. It was like it. It was like on the midday, well, so the morning rush to It was at about eight a.m. or seven a.m. and they did an interview about the lifestyle, about swinging. And um, and I remember back then thinking, oh, this is this is interesting. It's hit mainstream media, so that's great. Mm. So it is it is growing absolutely. I would say
0: yeah that's awesome what do you love most about attending events at clubs
1: honestly the chance to meet a lot of people in a short Mm. period of time and the environment it's just like going out on a Friday night to a club you know it's it's the thrill of going out it's the thrill of actually before you even leave the house getting dressed up putting on a nice Mm. outfit putting on makeup doing your hair and then going out and meeting new people and chatting and I mean there's obviously the environment is a little bit pumped it's a little bit more heightened you know there are you can probably hear people having sex in the next room or upstairs or whatever um there is an element of people are kind of looking around to see like hey is there anyone in here that piques my interest so it's it's just fun to go out and and meet new people and have a few drinks and if the night takes you you know to the bedroom then that's great and if it doesn't it's also great so it's just the ability to be truly who you are Authentically out in feeling like you're in public, even though you are a little bit behind closed doors, mm-hmm. and and doing so with, without any shame or shade thrown on you.
0: Yeah. Have you found your communication before, like doing a brief before going to these clubs over five years has changed? Because obviously, as you said, the first time you had rules set in place. Do you still have rules set in place every time you go, or has that Uh, That changed.
1: (laughs) No, we actually threw the rule book out after that. So, Yeah. um, yeah, we really did because we found that. It, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't necessarily that I'd done something, like I'd kiss somebody because that's, you know, quite mundane. What it is is that I broke the rule. So what we decided was we were going to be much more fluid with our rules and boundaries. We do have, you know, hard and fast rules that will never be broken, like protection, for example, mm-hmm. you know, health health of ourselves and health of our partners are is of the utmost to us, both physical and mental. And so that's definitely a rule that will never get thrown out. But fluid things like hey, do we want to play tonight or do we not want to play tonight? You know, if we walked in and said, we're not going to play tonight, but then we met this stellar couple and we had a great time and then we were like, sorry, we're not playing tonight. So we decided to make it a little bit more fluid where we just communicate and we say, hey, this is what I'm thinking for the evening or things change and adapt during the night and is this good for you? Yes, no. And then we just kind of go from there. We just talk about it on the spot, basically.
0: Yeah, that's good. I can imagine it'd be so hard to try and keep... Um, like you know rules in play for like that whole time obviously ones like protection makes sense but having hard and fast rules because things just change so quickly especially when you're meeting different people yeah 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 absolutely how do these clubs in Australia compare to the ones that you've I've gone to overseas
1: I could write a book about this yeah (laughs) yeah, it's actually so a, a couple of years ago I did I did a short blog about the places we've swung around the world and now, we changed our podcast originally. We were called Swinging Down Under, and we've just changed it in the last month to Wanderlust Swingers, and the reason behind that is because we do visit all these different places around the world. The biggest differences that I could tell you right now from Australian clubs to overseas clubs is the size, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, on a busy night in Australia, you might get 40 couples, maybe 50 couples. A busy night in other clubs, you're looking at a 200, 300 400 people easy Um, and so that not only is the population bigger but the floor plan the floor space is bigger a lot of them have two some of them have two bars two dance floors you know different rooms all this really amazing themed rooms you know great great different areas that you can jump into. That's a little bit different and, you know, big toilets versus like, you know, our club in maybe different cities in Australia where it's like one toilet and one dance floor and a small bar and maybe a pool table if you're lucky. And so that's the biggest thing. It's the size and the, and the population. Um, the other thing I think is just the normality of it in Australia, depending on the sit, the state that the state that you're in, a lot of our clubs are in industrial zones. Because mm-hmm. of the fact that they operate until about two, three in the morning, because of the fact that it is sex on premise. If you, even if you think think to yourself now where where all of our brothels are, they're generally in industrial zones, right? Because people yeah. are like, okay, put it over there with the steel manufacturing, because we don't want these dirty, filthy people out in the open. Um, and it's very different overseas. You know, overseas the clubs are advertising on mainstream media. There's billboards about the clubs. They are legit. They're considered legitimate businesses where you know people want to be actively employed there they're active on social media they are they have a, a banner on the the door of their business telling you what the business is whereas in australia it's a little bit more you know pushed to the side yeah um so those are kind of some of the the, the biggest differences the other thing too is the money spent on entertainment a club in europe or a club in the us will actively get in entertainment for the evening, like an entertainment troupe that could be a fire eater, that could be um, a dancer performer, a a hula performer, um, really different variety of different things. And they'll do big, big theme nights where they're spending a lot of money. In Australia, again, it's it's just less, you know, we don't have the finance capability to be able to do that because we don't have enough people coming through the door. So those are the main standouts.
0: Yeah, I just thought of a question back in the Australian context. Can anyone go to swinging clubs or is it only like couples or only certain genders?
1: And so it does depend on the club. They, the clubs make mm-hmm. their own rules and some of the rules will vary depending on the night. So sometimes a club might open on a Thursday night once a month for like a special single male hot wifing night. Yeah. So they'll say, so maybe generally it's couples only. And then on a Thursday night, once a month, they'll open up and they'll say, okay, tonight's the hot wifing night, so single men are allowed, but they might still have to be vetted. Some clubs might operate a a night that's under 35s only, so you can't be older than 35 on that particular night at the club if you want to go. Other clubs might operate a specific um, LGBTQI plus night, so bisexual men and bisexual women, you know, please feel free to come along and explore your sexuality. So clubs have their own rules. The standard is heteronormative couples, male, female, cis male, cis female, enter as a club, as a couple. That's, the, yep. that's kind of like the baseline. And then clubs are evolving and having different nights and being a little bit more um, diverse in, in their offerings. And so that, that is changing and that is adapting.
0: Yeah. Within Australia, how have you found Australians who identify within a monogamous relationship have responded to your relationship?
1: um <laughs> it depends on the person
0: yeah
1: so sometimes it's sometimes it's met with peaked curiosity of like more not necessarily like that sounds sexy we do get that but normally we get that from mm-hmm. single people yeah um, but the peaked curiosity is more around though well how does that work it's logistics based like how does that work and who does what and how does you know what i mean and so that's funny whenever people are interested their questions are more around you know h- how does it all work uh, ours so that's fun and but generally speaking it's it's still taboo you know and as much work as you might put into trying to help people understand at the end of the day it is taboo it is in your face it does go against the grain of what you believe a relationship should look like and and what you kind of taught at a young age a relationship should look like and and so you're always going to have problem problems with that you know that that does question People and how they perceive relationships to be. And so I think, again, that's what I said, you know, monogamy is not toxic. And so one of the things that we need to do in our community is just accept the fact that we're not going to be accepted by everybody. And, you know, try to educate where you can, sure, but do so in a non pushy way and accept the fact that, yeah, people are, some people are just going to be like, yeah, that I don't, I don't think, I don't agree with you. And you go, that's fine. No dramas, you know. So, It's not, yeah, it's still taboo. Sometimes we are, I mean, if you see news articles, we've been in in news articles and the comments that are left by the general public are not friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you just kind of got to take that and understand that's fine and and, and walk away going they they don't understand and that's not, not a problem. It's not for them and that's okay.
0: Yeah. How do you think we can move forward to a place where we can get more people to understand the dynamics of the relationship and what it's based on?
1: Talking about it, obviously, is a, is a good place to start. And I yeah. think talking about it without the garishness of like, yeah, and then, you know, and then he fucked me in the ass and then we, you know, totally didn't use condoms and had this gangbang and then we did that, you know what I mean? It just, yeah. if you talk about it from that perspective, it is in your face. It is very garish. It is a bit too much. And I think having just intelligent, well-articulated conversations about, yep, yeah, this is a lifestyle choice. And this is how our relation. This is how our relationship works. This is what we've decided. Here's how we decided it. Here's what it looks like. And and we continue to do so. And we're happy, thriving members of society. Those are the kind of conversations that will eventually help people to understand a little bit more. Um, what doesn't help us right now, not so much in Australia, but more in the, in the states and other places around the world, is throwing swingers parties um, illegally during a pandemic and then getting in the news. That's not helping us out. Yeah, no, <laughs> For people I can to imagine. Understand understand that, that, you know, that's uh, definitely not making people think we're acting responsibly. So conversations, I think, are the biggest way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you think that they could even include it in, like, sex education, try and take the conversation away from monogamous relationships?
1: I think sex education could be more about not necessarily specifically saying, you know, consensual non-monogamy is an option. What I think sex education needs to be about is not throwing shame or judgment on yourself Mm. at a young age and exploring the options of, you know, here is everything available to you uh, or maybe starting to, not even here's everything available, but just even what, you know, what do you want that to look like? If you were to have a perfect life, what would that look like, you know, sexually as well as everything else? Those are the conversations because that opens up then, sexuality you know how do you identify what would you like to explore right through to how does your relationship how should your relationship look or what would the best version of that look like so I think yes it it could include it but not necessarily from a yeah perspective of like here's all the things you could Mm -hmm. be Timmy but more around the well well, you can be non-judgmental on yourself here's how you can really start to question what you want and explore and, and those types of things absolutely
0: Yeah, I think that's an awesome way to approach it, definitely. How have you found that, have you found that, like, other countries have been more accepting of alternative relationships than compared to, like, Australia?
1: Well, I mean, definitely Europe. But, again, you've got to think Australia is such a young country. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So we're a super young country. I mean, Europe I mean, I'll take Germany, for example, um, because we're moving to Germany in six months' time. Oh, awesome. If you sit there and look on the map and you just Google BDSM Club in Germany, three or four in the city centre will come up. And again, they're advertised. They've got got the name on the outside of the building, on the outside of their door as to what they are because it's more accepted. And it's just, yeah, that's just something you do in your relationship or in the privacy of your own home. Fine. Um, So I think it is accepted overseas a little bit more and I think that's just because of of the the length of time you know Australia being quite a young country we're getting there we are getting there but you don't see these open and out there parties that or events that happen around the world you just don't see them in Australia and things like for example a hotel takeover uh, there's a lot of swinging lifestyle hotel takeovers where you will buy buy out the entire hotel for for a weekend or five days and you hold a, a swingers party there. You know, even approaching a hotel in Australia right now and you might have mm-hmm. a, a contract, you might be a legitimate business, you might have the finances to back that up, but the hotel themselves are like, oh, no, you know, we don't want to end up in the press. So it's, it's, yeah, very different overseas, very accept, more accepting and I just think that's an age and an exposure thing and Australia yeah. will eventually get there, but I don't think it's going to happen in the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, no. I think it would definitely take take a lot of time. Um, have you learned anything about your own relationship from your experiences swinging? Um,
1: yes, we <laughs> we we sound a lot like we we take the uh, this is an Australian term but we take the piss out of each other a lot or yeah. we take the mickey and. I used to liken that to be a very Aussie thing to do, you know, when mm. I used to just think, oh, that's Aussies. We like to take the piss out yeah. of each other. You know, you get closer your friends are, the more you take the piss out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that what we've come to realise as we meet all these other people and all these other different relationships is that we're very unique in in how open we are and, I'll give you a story so with our communication and just being so honest with each other I was in Zara shopping a couple of years ago and I came out of the change room and Daryl turns to me and he says no definitely not that jumpsuit makes your ass look fat and ugly and the shop assistant was there and you can imagine this this young girl and she was floored by it she looked at him and she said that is not an appropriate thing to say to your partner and he turned to her, not missing a beat, and said, "Oh, I didn't say her ass looks. Her ass is fat. Her ass is gorgeous. It's your shitty clothes that have made her ass look fat. So she's not buying that shit jumpsuit." Um, and so, you know, to have that level of honesty, I think is yeah. pretty rare. And that's, you know, some people see that. You know, if we meet a people on the street and they see us acting in that manner or just being very open with each other, I think sometimes they're a bit aghast. But for us it's normal and I think that's really what's shined the light on our relationship as we meet other people and their relationships. And I think the other thing too is just understanding how truly diverse the world is in terms of relationships and how each mm-hmm. person or thruple or couple or quad, however however polycube, however you however you identify, how truly unique and and diverse they all are. And that's really beautiful
0: yeah it is every relationship is so different and you know every person have every friendship everything like it's just always so diverse and you can learn so much from all of them uh, do you have any advice for those who want to explore this lifestyle but aren't sure on how to approach it
1: yeah my first thing again this is probably coming from so i'll give you two answers my ocd mm-hmm. research google type answer which is do your research You know, have a look at what is available and open, read some blogs, listen to some podcasts, start to think about it. That's a good way to start, because when you look at this lifestyle, oftentimes you have absolutely no idea what it even means. And so you need to start with some level of understanding before you can even really start to explore it. And my my non-Google, non-OCD response would be to think about your desires and your sexual interests. And try to understand at the core why those are intriguing you. So if you're sitting back listening to this and you're like, threesome, fuck yeah, totally interested in a threesome. Uh, And you're thinking about how to bring that up with your partner. Think and understand about why that sexually interests you and what that means to your relationship. So then you can communicate it a little bit better. I think those are the big key things that we always like to tell people is just why, why do you want to join this? What about it interests you? Is it the friendship? Is it the events? Is it the excitement? Is it the taboo? Is it just the sex? You know, uh, and there's no shame on any of those things as well. And once you kind of understand that a little bit more, then you can better either understand your own direction and your own sexual desires and fantasies, or even if you are in a relationship, communicate those to your partner.
0: Yeah, I think actually people trying to understand why they want what they do is an awesome way to go about it because it would be so hard to communicate with your partner about why you want something if you don't actually know, you know, the, the true root of the cause of, like, you know, why I want this or why I think it will be good for the relationship or for themselves. So I think that's a, a really um awesome thing to think about because a lot of people, they just don't know what they want themselves, especially, like, their fantasies. No. Like, yeah. And a lot of people don't even think Anything about it. I mean,
1: it. not No, they don't. And that's that's a big piece of this. And think about how the conversation would go. Say, for example, you're in a long-term relationship and your partner comes home one night and says, honey, uh, yeah, definitely interested in having a threesome. Your first reaction is going to be, well, shit, am I not good enough or he wants to cheat on me? All of these really negative negative, uh, emotions get brought up, and rightly so. Of course they're going to because that's how you're programmed. Mm -hmm. And then your response back to him is, well, why do you want this? And he's sitting there just going uh you know he can't answer you articulately and that's where the problem begins it's the inability to actually say well you know what i i really think it would be quite sexy to see the look on your face to see different bodies to see the bare skin you know sitting there and thinking about it and saying like i really want to do this with you because i think this would be another thing that would just be interesting for us together to experience as a couple like you need to have some sort of retort when somebody says to you, what the fuck, am I not good enough for you anymore?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think because so many people will respond in that way, especially if it's not something that's been discussed before and even like, if it's in a long-term relationship and it comes out of nowhere, I know a lot of people that just freak out yeah. because they're like, what is this? And especially because right. they the don't other, talk about it. Exactly.
1: And the other thing too is it's likely that that person has been thinking about this talking to you about this for six months, 12 months, sometimes years. And so when when they came out, when they come out to you and they're like, this is what I want, you you know, in their mind, they're like, this is old news because I've been thinking about this and I've been mulling mm. it over for like months or years. And this is the first time you're hearing it. So you need time yeah. to process, you need time to understand it and, and they need to be articulate when they do that. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, yeah, honey, I want a threesome and you're sitting there eating a bowl of like rice you know, rice bubbles for breakfast. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. How long did it actually take from the moment Daryl approached you about what you wanted to then actually putting that into action?
1: I'd say we were actually quite quick, to be honest. Yeah. I think inside of six inside of six months, less than that yeah. even, probably we had discussed this. We started watching um, like porn. We started watching swinging porn in particular, and you know, making note of like, oh, that 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 is turning me on. That's interesting me. That's interesting to me. And and then no, I don't like that. Or that's kind of gross. Or whatever it looked like. And yeah. um, and then I think yeah, from from that exploration and that original conversation to then actually going to a club, probably inside of six months, the actual getting getting more comfortable with going out with dates with couples. Because we actually went to a club first. And yeah. then we rolled back and we're like, hey, because we didn't know there was, we didn't even know that swinging dating sites were a thing. And I remember a couple of the, the couple at the club were like, what's your dating site handle? And we're like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And so then we set up a dating profile and then we started going on couple to couple dates rather than the club. And so I think probably whilst we went to a club within the first six months, I think probably it took us a good 12 months just to get the hang of like, okay, this is what it means to us, you know, because when you start out, you don't even know what's, what's normal, what you like, what's in the possibilities, the spectrum of possibilities, and then it takes you some time to start to kind of find your feet like anything. And then I think inside of 12 months, we'd, yeah, we were probably a little bit more comfortable and kind of understood the, the way that we wanted to specifically approach the lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favourite part of it like clubs or using like the dating sites to meet people?
1: it varies by my mood i, I gotta be yeah. honest like sometimes sometimes i'm really into just dating other couples uh you know just two on two sometimes we are more interested in threesomes right now because i haven't been to an event or a club in a while that's like in my head that's the that would be the ultimate right now just being able to just yeah. be amongst people and like because i'm missing that connection so that to me would be the big thing I'm fingers crossed I'm supposed to be going to an event in May (laughs) if the world writes itself. So So that that to me is like my next big thing. And being able to then just be amongst people for days on end. And I liken it to playing a video game where you go and spend some time with these other people that have like-minded hobby as you, you know, this alternative lifestyle and you kind of power up your bar, you know, the more time you spend with these people, your, your power bar is getting filled up because you know, you're, you've got this energy that's that's being transferred amongst them and you can be your authentic self. And then as you mm. go back into, you know, your normal life, for lack of a better word, or perhaps away from those abilities to go to an event, your power bar starts to deplete. And so it's right now I feel quite depleted and I'm ready to uh, get mm. back out there and party and meet people.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favourite experience throughout this whole opening up your relationship? Um. Yeah, that's a tough
1: one because mm. I mean we've we've been to swingers resorts in Mexico three times now. You know, like week long all inclusive swingers resorts. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we've been to uh, New Orleans. There's a a party that happens there that's two thousand six hundred sex positive people from all over the world. You know, coming together and and that's quite unique and special. Um, so I think probably. One of the experiences, too, was our wedding in Australia. More than half the people were in the lifestyle. More than half the guests were in the lifestyle. And so it's hard to narrow it down. I'm not not trying to be difficult here, but it's super hard to narrow it down to, like, one experience where you're like, that was the gold star experience because they are so awesome and so different. And, um, you know, sometimes even just having... A charcuterie like a cheese and cheese and meat platter with our friends in in melbourne and sitting down and having a bottle of champagne we haven't seen them for six months flying in to meet them like that is amazing so it's hard to say sorry I yeah no really that,
0: no that's fine especially with you've had so many different diverse experiences like i can only imagine how hard it would be to narrow it down uh so sure. where can my listeners find you on like instagram and different things
1: Yes. So if you head to our website, which is still swing, swingingdownunder.com, you'll find all of our links there to our podcast and to all of our social media accounts. You can Google swinging down under, or if you Google, mm-hmm. and I've done my job with SEO, if you Google wanderlust swingers, you should also be able to find us there. But swingingdownunder.com right now is going to take you to everywhere you need to go.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Was there anything else that you want to touch on?
1: No, I think you've covered a lot of ground. I like the fact that you've covered both the the positives and some of the some of the negatives uh, yeah. to this as well. And if you are out there listening, I think just think think about what you want out of life and try not to judge yourself. I think we, we carry mm-hmm. around a lot of burden and we judge ourselves, you know, frequently everything from dress size to how much money we make. And sexuality is no different. That for, that we like to judge ourselves for that as well. So try to see if you can take those judgy goggles off for an afternoon and sit down and think about what you want sexually and and what pleases you and hey that could just be buying a new sex toy and exploring a different form of sex toy or orgasm in the bedroom on your own solo or it might mean looking at an alternative relationship but just sit down and think about it and see what comes of it
0: yeah that's an awesome idea I think everyone should do that Thank you so much for coming on and talking about swinging and hot wifing and alternative relationships.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for uh, sharing this with your listeners. I hope that everybody got something out of it. Mm. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate, yeah, the continuing conversation is very important. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Thank you again to Kate for taking the time to come onto the sealed section and discuss ethical non monogamy. It was such an awesome conversation. As always, Shaggers, please send any of your comments, stories, questions to the Sealed Section either through my Instagram at the sealed section or my email, emilyduncan at the sealed section.com. Please leave a review, as I would love to know what you're thinking and subscribe so you can always keep updated when episodes drop. Thanks, Jagas, and I will see you next week.